Let's pray. Lord God, again, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that we can contemplate it together. Lord, we pray that you would help us, Lord, to understand your word as we go over it today. And Lord, help us to grow by it again. In Jesus' name, amen. When we read Jesus' prayer for his disciples, we understand first that it is a prayer for their safety and their protection. And if we are Jesus' disciples today, we can look at it as a prayer for our safety and protection as well. Remembering the image of Jesus as the Good Shepherd, we see that Jesus had been faithful as that Good Shepherd to his original disciples. He had remained with them and watched over them till the end. But when Jesus was about to be physically taken away, crucified, risen, ascended to his Father in heaven, he prayed for his disciples. He prayed because he was about to leave his disciples and leave them in a hostile environment, an environment of which he said they did not belong to. Now we can understand why Jesus did not belong to that environment, to the world as he called it, because scripture tells us that he pre-existed the world. He existed as God before he came into this world as a human. He existed before he was born into the world, so he did not belong to the world in the first place, being pre-existent and transcendent of it. As Jesus said in John 16, 28, I came from the Father and entered into the world, but in turn, I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. He came, of course, for one purpose. That was to save humanity from futility and destruction that it was condemned to and heading for ever since the fall of man, ever since our original rebellion against our creator in the garden. But why did Jesus say to his disciples that they did not belong to this world? We might argue that they were born into the world and, and had their beginnings as created beings in this world. Therefore, they should belong to the world like everything else in it. They had no pre-existence like Jesus had, and that is true. But what they did still have, and what all of us have, is God's divine purpose, his original divine purpose for us to love and to serve God and to commune with him. And that purpose was also restored by the divine son Jesus's incarnation and by his sacrificial death on our behalf to be of the world is to reject that offering. It is to reject that gift that God gave us, sending his son into the world 
to save us. It is to continue in the same rebellion against God despite the gift of his Son. That is what it means to be of the world. But the disciples, they also had a new purpose, a purpose that was more than to love and serve and commune with God. They also had the mission that Jesus had given them to complete. So how is it that Jesus' disciples were no longer belonging to the world? Well, to see where that change happens, we have to look at a few scriptures. We can first go back to verse 6 of John 17 to get the answer where Jesus uh, said the Father gave the disciples to him. He said the Father gave the disciples to him out of the world. So they were the fathers in the world before Jesus met them. And we know that Jesus said that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. He said that in John 6, 44. So the Father was involved in this. The Father drew the disciples to Jesus as Jesus called his disciples. And his disciples loved him and followed him. And, and as they did this, the Father set this whole process in, in motion of setting them apart from the world as he gave them to Jesus. In that transition, they moved from the world into this new realm, the heavenly realm, the same realm as Jesus, God's son, belongs to. Now, this is where the ascension is important. Where is that realm of Jesus? Where is the, the realm where Jesus is after the ascension? Well, it is in heaven, of course, with the Father as where, he, where Jesus belongs. The ascension made a difference because it was the first time that Jesus had entered heaven after his incarnation, after he became a human. Jesus did not return to his Father in heaven only as the Son of God as before. He returned as the Son of Man. And just, you have to think about it this way, just as Jesus had retained his divinity when he became a human, he also retained his humanity after he ascended back to God the Father in heaven. He ascended as both God and man, perfected man, with the perfect sin offering for every man and woman who ever put their trust in him as their savior, as their high priest, as their mediator. Everyone who has done that is now, through that act, a child of God through Jesus Christ. John 1, 12 to 13 says this, but to all who have received him, that is Jesus, those who believed in his name, 
he has given the right to become God's children. Children not born by human parents or by human desire or by human or, or by a husband's decision, but by God. So that's why Jesus could say, as he did in John 20, 17 of his disciples, I am ascending to my father and your father, my God and your God. They were united with Jesus in believing on him and believing on his work for their salvation. They were united with him in heaven is now where they belonged to. But these newborn children of God, these disciples of Jesus, had a problem. They couldn't go with him. They remained in the world of which they no longer belonged after this transaction happened, after this transition, um, and after Jesus ascended. They were left there for a purpose, to fulfill their God-given, God-restored purpose, still in this hostile world, still without Jesus, and yet belonging to the same realm as Jesus. And they were left there, as I said before, to fulfill the mission that Jesus had given to them. So there they were, they no longer had their good shepherd with them physically. How then would they be protected from the ruler of this world, as Jesus called him, the devil, our adversary? Well, this is how. One, they would be protected by Jesus's mediation, by Jesus's petitioning prayer to his almighty father to keep them safe in his name. Jesus prayed, Holy Father, keep them safe in your name. Well, what comes to mind when we think about God's name? Well, first, I think what comes to mind is the power and authority behind his name, his power and authority. You know, if we, we think in worldly terms, as, as, as common people in this world, you you know, you wouldn't want to get into any tussle with, uh, with certain powerful families in this world, even if you were right and they were wrong, because of the power and influence that they wield and the resources that they have that are beyond your power and your means. You would want to stay clear of them. And that's how it is with the ruler of this world. But it's great to know that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is above that who is above this world and over it is on our side. I was recently reading the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel and seeing their confidence that they had in the King of Kings and Lords, Lord of Lords like, like no one else. Even enough confidence to stand up and defy the most powerful man on earth in honor of God, putting their lives on the line. 
doing so. Well, God honored and protected them for doing so. His name kept them safe and his name keeps us safe from our, our adversary, the devil. It doesn't mean that um, there are no martyrs. No, if God chooses to honor a person to that extent, to give their lives, I know some people don't even um, want to as they're carried to their death. They don't even, um, they, they are, they're glad to do it. Glad to give their lives for for God's name, for Jesus' sake. They choose that. Well, what else comes to name, comes to mind when you think of someone's name? Well, what comes to mind is the person's nature or, or their character. When we think of a person, a person's character, we understand much of what their name represents. We understand um, whether or not we can trust or, or believe what they say, for instance. Are they truthful or not? We know that by their character, which their name represents. And God, of course, is the author of truth. And as 1 John 5, 11 tells us, he has testified concerning his son. It says, and this is, his, this is his testimony. This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. So there is no eternal life for any person outside of Jesus Christ, his Son. No eternal life without it being in God's Son, Jesus Christ. And therefore, to have eternal life, we have to be united with God's Son. Verse 12 of 1 John says this, of 1 John 5 says this, the one who has the Son has this eternal life. The one who does not have the Son, does not have this eternal life. It's that simple. You have the Son, you have eternal life. You don't have the Son, you don't have eternal life. This is it for you. So this is a promise from God, a promise from the author of truth, the one in whose name we trust for our salvation from all our enemies and and the one who brings us safely through this world, through this life, to our eternal home, our everlasting home. Being attached to God's Son and His name is also being given His nature, His Spirit. When we put our trust in Him and His offering, that's what happens. We are given his spirit. Now, of course, we know that we have this battle because we have 
uh, um, this, this struggle inside of us, this struggle between the flesh and the spirit. But his spirit goes a long way in keeping us safe from sin in this world if we yield to his spirit. Jesus prayed for his disciples, Holy Father, keep them safe in your name, the name you have given me, so that they may be one just as we are one. We, this, we disciples who are left in this world to serve God are also unified under his name. You know, the devil wants us disciples of Jesus to be scattered, not to work together. Uh, and, and he wants to pick us all off individually. But when we stand together in God's name, we encourage one another on in the battle against our adversary while we remain in this world. So that's important to, um, to get through this world too, to unite in his name with other Christians. Jesus went on in verse 12, when I was with them, he said, when I was with them, I kept them safe and watched over them in your name that you have given me. His disciples had, had been one with Jesus who was one with the Father. Therefore, they were unified with the Father in Jesus and protected in him as well. Jesus went on, not one of them was lost except the one destined for destruction so that the scripture could be fulfilled. Yes, Judas, who was never really one with them, went out from them. Verse 13, but now I am coming to you, Jesus says, talking to the Father, and I am saying these things in the world so that they may experience my joy completed in themselves. So that he says this, so his disciples can experience his joy completed in themselves. Now, why the joy? Because they will now understand that they have the same power, the same purpose, the same spirit, the same eternal destiny as Jesus has. They are one with him. And so they share all of that with him. Holding on to and believing in the truth of that, in the truth of God's word through Jesus is what really sets Jesus's disciples apart from the world. Believing in all Jesus said and did. It sets Jesus's disciples, us disciples, apart from the rest of the world today as well. Jesus prayed this of his disciples to his father in verse 14. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Set them apart in the truth 
your word is truth. So that is our holy purpose as we remain in this world as Jesus' disciples, being set apart for the truth. Set apart for the truth in this untruthful and hostile world. Set apart to share that truth. And there is and will continue to be a separation. There is a setting apart that continues on for Jesus' disciples today as long and there will be as long as we live and breathe in this world and that is this spiritual process of sanctification the process of being set apart um, for the purpose of sharing the gospel of truth for god's purposes and this is an active role in our life uh, not only believing god's word but also acting upon it daily, uh, going forth um, as God's representatives in this foreign world, being, being God's ambassadors, as Paul calls us, pleading with others to be reconciled with God through Jesus Christ. That's their only hope. And we are the, the light of the world, Jesus says. We are the only ones who hold forth this truth, to all who will hear it. The truth that Jesus, as John said, came through the water and blood. Jesus came through water being born as one of us and being baptized, identifying with us. And he came through the blood, dying for us as our atoning sacrifice so that we can, with him and through him and in him, pass through into the heavens and live on with him forever. Jesus prayed to the Father in verse 18, saying, just as you sent me into the world, so I sent them into the world, speaking of his disciples. And I set myself apart on their behalf so that they too may be truly set apart. Are you set apart? Do you know you're set apart? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for you? If you have, you are set apart. If you have his spirit, if you believe, then his spirit put that belief in you. God called you and his spirit gave you the ability to believe when you heard his word you loved him again we read as we read two weeks ago from John um, 15 16 Jesus said you did not choose me but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit fruit that remains so whatever you ask the father in my name he will give you So go as Jesus' disciples in, in his strength. Go in courage, knowing that he prayed to the Father these very words for you to keep you safe from the evil one. Go in the name and the power of Jesus Christ and his spirit. Let's pray.
But God, we do thank you that you give, did give us this purpose, not only to worship and serve you, but also this, this calling, Lord, to tell others the good news about you, the good news of eternity, Lord. This world is, is, is so deceitful, Lord, and, and this life is so short, Lord, and, and futile if, you, if we don't put our hope and trust in you for all eternity, Lord. So we do pray that your spirit would speak through your words and call, Lord, um, others to know. And Lord, we do pray that their hearts would know your truth and that their hearts would bow to you, to agree with you, to receive your love and to serve you forever. In Jesus' name, amen.